Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Tuesday, and um, take a look at the Parsha. Very confusing Parsha about Balak and Balaam. Today's Parsha is being sponsored by uh, my very good friend in the farm out there. Is he sponsored too? Uh, Benzian Bernstein, thank you very much. Real hero, he said, because he heard we're short a sponsor. I'm still short one this week. Um, and I'm very appreciative that he did that. So, greetings out there. Let's take a look at um, Billum and, and Bullock. Actually, Billum is the problem. Because Billum makes no sense. Okay? There's a very nice. Uh, paragraph, I see, summarizing the confusion about Bilam, and you can't tell me a good shot unless you simply say I'm gonna have I'm gonna go with one mahalik and ignore all the others. You understand? Uh, uh, ignore all the others. So uh, I'm looking at Nachshoni over here, and I like this paragraph where he says, "The Musham Muzar Bilam, the strange image of Bilam." which comes out in the writings, needs clarity. In other words, it's confusing. He begins with as a mazik. Whether you hold he was a magician, I mean, real. whether you hold you really such a thing as magic and he could do it. That he has some kind of magical or mystical power with his debor or with his eye to damage. Me'idach mevletes to Lisbelkus. On the other hand, it's clear from the beginning of the story that Bilam is relying on Hashem. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it through Hashem. Not stomp through magic or or something like that, independent of God. He doesn't do anything before he consults with Hashem, who is not the mukar of bad stuff, but the mucker of Kedusha. So is he a good guy or a bad guy? And then you see, he goes against what Hashem said. Notice he's connected to Hashem. He checks in the headquarters, and Hashem says, don't go, and he goes. And he tries to circumvent what Hashem says. And tries to carry out what he, Bilam, wants with his own bad will, but Nigidlarat's Hashem. That's how the story is written. Hashem said, I don't want you to do this. And you and I know the story. He tries to do it, tries to force God's hand. In the end, he can't force God's hand. And in the end, he has to apologize to the king. But he gave it the old school try. Laat, Laat, as the story goes on, his evil will weakens. Until his Yitzhar becomes Batal. And then it becomes real Navi, you know, in which he predicts a glorious future for Klai Yisrael. His satanic image disappears. 
He becomes one of the greatest prophets who predicts what's happening in the next thousands of years, as we know. If you go like the Rambam, in the Hilchus Mashiach over there, I mean, he says, you know, that's where we get Mashiach from, from Bilam. That's thousands of years away. Think about that. In Gemar Tafkido, and then once he finishes this grand and sublime Tafkid, he reverts back to character. Right? He comes back to be a Mesa Mediach, and he talks about the girls of Moab, and so on and so forth. Right? What's going on over here? Okay? Yeah, now, Shoni has his way. I don't, I don't like it, but whatever. Uh, but the point is, Bilam is, is, is a, not a unit, is not described in a unitary way, particularly by the Mepharshim, because everybody does his own thing. I'll tell you what lies at the core of it, the problem as far as I'm concerned. Did he hire, did Bullock hire him to curse the people? Where does it say that he had the power of cursing? What it says is, he's a Navi. At least I'm going with the Chazal to say he was a Navi. Great, as great, and some say greater Moshe. Do you know that there's a Sifri somewhere? Sifri Zuta? That says that Bilam, it describes how Bilam was a bigger Navi than Moshe. Can you believe it? It's in the Sifri Zuta, Piskazayat. Moshe lo hoyu yodea ma'medabrimo. Bilam hoyu yodea ma'medabrimo. Right? Whatever that means. That Moshe didn't know what was speaking to him. And Bilam did. Moshe, I don't know what that means. Moshe lo hoyu yodea ma'medabrimo. He didn't know what time it would happen. Ubilam yodea ma'medabrimo. Shodea da'aselyan. Moshe lo hoyu medabrimo kishu omeg. Ubilam kishu nofel. Right? So notice the point of the matter is, however, it's weird. But according to this, Bilam, in some respects, was superior. So, how did he get that way? And second of all, listen closely. What is a Novi? A Novi is somebody that can carry a message from God and possibly see the future. Not every Novi, if you think about it, knows the future. It's not a form of fortune-telling. It can be, possibly, if God sends to him a message with info about the future. There are such Navim, obviously. However, there are plenty of Navis and nothing to do with that. And they had immediate tasks to perform in their time and had nothing to do with seeing the future. Just off the top of my head, you know, when uh, the prophet Nathan goes and rebukes King David over Bathsheba. That's not about the future. It's about here and now. A lot of those. You understand? So... When Yermiel says, don't fight against Bobo, not predicting the future. Tell me here and now. So, what is Nebuah? Clearly, it's, you have a message from Hashem, but that has nothing to do with cursing or blessing. Right? Am I right? Am I wrong? Who says, I mean, I don't know, who says you go to a Nabi for a bracha or a klala, you hire a Nabi to give a klala, uh, I don't know. Maybe if you're Hasidic, you figure like this, if a Rebbe can do it, until Novi Kabbal Khomer. But it's not, if you're not Hasidic, it makes no sense. <laughs> you understand? Know what, what is the point over here? And remember, Bullock makes a big deal. He said, I want to hire a key. It's Asher Tavarech Mevorach, Asher Tavor You Are. Really? How do you know that? Now Rashi says very prosaically, very prosaically, Rashi says that. Uh, there had recently been a war, several wars, 
the first war was between Sichon and Moab. Again, Sichon and Moab. Sichon had defeated the Moabites. And Bilam had successfully called that game before it was played. Okay? Sichon and so forth. So, uh, this foreigner or somebody like that says that, you know, that uh, Moshlim, Akin Yomer HaMoshlim, that's a Bilam B'chaverov. One of those in Mephoshim say it. So, wait a minute. Uh, so, they called the war before it happened. That impressed Bullock. And even though Bullock was defeated, Adrav, that made him more impressed with Bilam. But calling who's going to win the war simply means that you foresaw it. So it sounds like he had knowledge of the future. No. It seems to be that Bullock said it wasn't simply a knowledge of the future. He blessed it, and that's where it happened. So in other words, when the war happened, he was on the payroll of Sichon, and that's why Sichon won. So where I'm going with all this is, in my opinion, the key to the story, well, I seem to remember it, the Bullock is a pagan. Rashi, the others say, Bullock was actually like a general appointed for this emergency situation. It could be there was a king. I don't, I don't care. You know, modern fortune different. Well, in other words, he was a Moabite leader. An intelligent one. At the end of the day, he is Obedezer. He was a loyal Moabite. So we have to always remember that he's seeing things through those lenses. Now, one important lesson that I think people forget when you go through the whole Chumash is that there were a number of uh, messages that the was trying to get across out there. Some were um, received and understood, and others were not. Even by Jews, possibly. And the hardest one was Eino Milvado. At least that's the way I understand it. What I mean is, when Moshe came to Paro, and they do the ten plagues, all the rest of it, Paro does not say, gee, I guess I was wrong. The whole uh, Egyptian religion is a bunch of baloney. I'm switching to belief in one God. None of that happened. Even though Paro is the one who took it on the kisser. The Egyptians are the ones who felt the ten plagues. The Egyptians who are the ones whose army was wiped out by the Red Sea. Why didn't they say, oh, now we see the truth. But they did not. And that's always how it goes in history. People don't give up their inner beliefs. Not usually. Once in a blue moon house, usually not. And so instead what you do is you interpret the reality that you've seen through the lenses of your pre-existing beliefs. So what I mean is that Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and all the peoples in the desert and the others, when the Jews did what they did, they interpreted it in, in, in A and not in B. A means the Jews have a very powerful God out there. He ain't the only one, but he's the big boy in the block. Or at least he's having his five minutes of fame now. 
Okay? Uh, this God of Moses is no joke. Uh, he definitely was able to beat up the gods of Egypt. But the gods of Egypt are still there. And so are the gods of Canaan and Kamosh and this and that and the other. So there's one God, and he's possibly even the number one. But no matter how you are, if there are other gods, then you're living in some sort of mythological universe, and there's a way to take them down, or at least circumvent. And that's how it goes. The notion that the radical notion of B, which is Anod Milvado, right? That's like uh, too much for a lot of people to handle, right? Everything we've been worshiping until now and our bubbies and zadies and all this have been wrong. It's not a question of wrong. It's been a grand illusion. In other words, we're coming from thousands of years of stupid. <laughs> Nobody likes to think that way. Think about it. Ever since the time my Vodazara started with Enosh, it basically was a stupid in retrospect. All the time and the money and the energy and the human sacrifice and whatever that was put in all these different religions with the greatest intensity, you know, and the biggest devotion and passion, and it really was. I'm not making fun of that. I'm making fun of the fact that it was all spent on an illusion. Something doesn't exist, like the Ramam always puts it. Dabrashenu Kayam. So you prayed for a thousand days and this and that to something that, that would turn out to be figment of the imagination. That is very insulting and shocking. You get it? That's very insulting and shocking. Uh, not everybody's prepared to do that. Okay? Not everybody's prepared to do that. And Bullock and Billum and these other guys certainly were not. Now, in the case of Billum, I can't 100% understand it, but, you know, he knew that there is Rabbanish Olam. Did he know Eno Milvado? I don't know. You know. It doesn't seem that way. Rather, it seems that he's trying to do what I just said before, which is the God of Moses is the most powerful guy, and you have to maneuver around him, but he can be circumvented. And if you catch him at the right moment, I can curse his use and get away with it. And then I can go and enjoy the, the, the house full of gold and silver while I hang around the other gods. Why did Hashem do this? I don't know. But it seems to be that that's what's going on. Now, that means that it would explain, at least to me, what happened with Bullock, where he's confusing um, Bilaam's uh, foreseeing of who would win the war, who would win the game, with the power to affect it. Uh, Bilaam, if he was granted this vision by Hashem, foresaw, you know, if all that's in the Chumash, probably Hashem told him to say it or something like that. So, he confusion cause and effect. He foresaw who would win the war and to Balak it means he affected who would win the war. Because I know it wasn't really true. But then again, 
if it's not really true, then why does Hashem have to shut him up? Suppose today somebody got up. First of all, I want you to know something. If you know anything at all, the slightest, what goes on in the Middle East and the Muslim uh, mosques and all that, just check out memory for five minutes. They are cursing the Jews 20 times a day, much worse than Balaam could ever come up with. It's a pretty scary. I'll say like Gaza and these type of places, you know? It's pretty wicked. And they say every day the Jews should all die, the children should be cut, the slaves, and all, all these different liturgies. It's pretty doggone vicious. The only thing is, a from Jew selling his Chabzal and Bud doesn't mean a word, doesn't mean anything, and they can say whatever they want. When those Mormons, as I always say, started converting the souls of the dead Jews, who cares? Okay, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I'm saying? If somebody says it's a boogeyman about to attack me, that's why I'm wearing a helmet. Doesn't mean anything. You see, it, it, it's just not true. It's not true. Now, in the case that we're dealing with over here, let Bilam say whatever he wants. It doesn't have a power. The fact that Hashem had to intervene, and it says in the Haftorah and elsewhere that Hashem wouldn't let Bilam talk, and later in the Chumash, sounds like Bilam had some kind of a power. What kind of a power did he have? Asher Tevarach Yivarach, Asher Tevar Yuar. There are shots with that, but what's going on over here? How and why did he have that power? Uh, a human being doesn't have the power, only Hashem has the power. Why Why would Hashem honor that? You see? Why did Hashem say like this? Cuss him out, say what you want, you know, fire away, and I'm going to make it not happen. Listen, I want to tell you something. They say, if you want to get mystical, the Bayitzis Mitzrayim, there was Shidud Hamarochos. What does that mean? Really, 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 I'll pee astrology or whatever they say, the mysticism, the pagan things, it should have been a bad time the middle of Nisan for Klai Yisrael. Should have been a bad time. And Tafkinen Hashem took him out. Meaning, there's nothing really out there with the Marochas. Hashem can be at it. See, if he could do that with something as powerful as the stars as other junk, why couldn't he do it with a person? There's no good answer that I know for that. That, by the way, would have been more impressive. And being the Chumash, that, you know, Bilam got up there, cussed him out, called him every name in the book, and then Hashem said, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> None of your words, you know, have any power. None of your words have any power. In the past, the best I could come up with, and I'll mention it again, is... If you look from a modern perspective, and that is, words have power. Although, it doesn't make 100% sense. Let me put it this way. If Hashem really wanted to stick it to Bilaam, he would have omitted the whole Parsha bulk. Imagine, a guy named Bilaam comes, and he calls the Jews every name in the book, and he pronounces every juicy curse he can think of like a gypsy, no one's ever heard of it. That's the biggest revenge. You know, the Jewish way has always been down till today to try to suppress the truth you know, of, a bit of unpleasant things. The biggest revenge you could have is nobody ever heard of Bilaam. You know, his prophecy went nowhere. <clears throat> and yet, the Rabbani Shalom Dafka stuck it in the Chumash. 
What I mean by that is, Moshe didn't know that this is happening. Klaithrope doesn't know this is happening. They're passive in the entire parsha, as you know. Bilam and Bullock are standing far away on top of a mountain, checking it out, looking down on them. They don't know they're being cursed or blessed. That's why I say, I don't know exactly when it is that this parsha was historically, chronologically put in the Chumash. But it all happened near the death of Moshe, and by the end of Moshe's life, a little bit later, he's writing the whole thing out. So let's say for argument's sake, I'm not going to bother looking and say it or all whatever. Let's say this happened three months before death of Moshe. He didn't know what's happening. So three months later, approximately, Hashem says, write down something. Now, take this down. There was a guy named Bullock and a guy named Billam, and Billam wanted the courtesy of Moshe. says, really? I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. Tell me something I don't know. If you tell me the story about Chukas, Korach, I remember it well. If you tell me about Bill, I, I didn't even know it. And is a guy bigger than me? You tried to curse us? Chanishkavus. What the Jews knew about Bill was that he's the one who gave him the eights about the, the Midianite girls, the Benos Mov. But not about all these attempts to curse the Jews. So, it's very strange. Okay? So we have a pagan guy, a king, going to this guy, Bilaam, and, and confusing cause and effect, and saying, you're a prophet, but the prophecy, your ability to the future, must be some sort of an indication that you can bless and curse. Even though in Judaism, that's not really the case. But he doesn't understand that. Like I said before, he can't see that, you know, all the other gods simply don't exist. And all the other religions out there just represent an idea that's not there. It's got to be that there's a pantheon of some sort or another, and the Jewish God happens to be a powerful one. And therefore, like any smart general, you figure, how can I neutralize this Jewish God? Do the best you can. And the best way you can come up with Bilaam, who apparently knew this God, but that doesn't mean he only knew the, the God and knew others. Like I say, I cannot believe, especially if, you know, Bilaam knew anything about their bonus all the great prophets. He would have said, Hashem wants to help the Bnei Yisrael. And so that's the side I want to be on, like Yisrael. If he says Hashem wants to help the Jews, but I'm going to go against it, yeah, it's a strange story. It's a strange story. So you end up with a weird business in which there's a, a, a major set of theological confusions going on. But uh, there seems to have been some power in his deboard. Otherwise, God wouldn't have had to shut him up. Unless you want to say that Hashem was having fun, but it doesn't seem that way. It sounded like he really had to shut him up. So one way of answering that is simply to do like the Chavetz Chaim and say, there's this big thing called Koch Right? But look, like I said before, plenty of Goyim down to history have cursed the Jews in greater quantity and quality than Bilaam. Why him? You get it? What do you think the Egyptians said when the Jews marched out after the ten plagues? I mean, let me, <laughs> you have to be a fly in the wall over there. Uh, I think they use some four-letter words, you know what I'm saying, when the Jews get out, left Egypt. And I understand it. I get it. What do you think the Amalekites said when uh, Joshua beat them? Balak and Balaam ain't the only guys in the curse the, the Jews. Maybe you could say that Balaam was able to call attention to Jewish weaknesses 
we do have such a concept that halolo avodazor v'halolo avodazor. And for Hashem to say that b'ni b'chor Yisrael, I love Kal Yisrael, and I show him favoritism, which is not fair, it's hard for that to work in Midas Adin when Jews are acting bad. And the Parsha Bolok does happen after a string of incidents when the Jews are acting bad. I mean, Balos, Rashlach, Korach, right? Chukas. You have one bad event after the other, especially with the complaining and the butching about the food and this and that and the other and the Korach and the guns of business. I mean, Bilam is basic, basically wanted to make the case, if I know him, and say, why do you want to help these people? Everybody sided with Korach not long ago. Everybody sided with the Misonim not long ago. Everybody, you know, um, did with the quail, with the slugs, not long ago. Everybody did this and the other. And those are true. Okay? You gave them a Ten Commandments and they worship a golden calf. It's true. It's true. And so for Hashem to say, I want to, you know, show favoritism and call throat, but at the same time want to project an image. I want God wants to project an image among the human race of being fair. Maybe there's a certain incompatibility in that that Billum's uh, rhetoric could call attention to. Like, I, I don't know. It, you know, it, it smacks of that, doesn't it? It smacks of that. That his power would have been to call attention and rhetorically make a big deal out of all the bad stuff that you and I know from reading the Parsha every year. You get it? If I wrote down a list of the sins of Kali Yisrael as recorded in the Chumash, we all know the Chumash is the most anti-Semitic book. Maybe that itself is why Hashem didn't want him to do. You know what I'm saying? Didn't want him to do. That's the closest I can come up with some kind of a a, 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 a logical, intelligent shot what's going on with Bill. And his basic argument would then be that there's no basis to show any favoritism to, towards the Kali Yisrael. There's no basis for it. The uh, the sinning, the ingratitude, and all the rest of it renders them unworthy. These are uh, basic notions in Islam, by the way, down until today. And like I said before, you can't make a strong case against it. You see, you can't make a strong case against because these stories are in the Chumash, right? I mean, that's a fact. And so, the Bilam Kayach is to call attention to unpleasant facts, which is what a lawyer does. And when he gives the advice about the Benos Moab at the end, it's basically him saying, listen, I'm not going to call attention to anything, but I know the Jews. Just press the button and, they, and, and they'll show up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just give them a temptation and they will fall like a house of cards because it doesn't sound like there was any kind of resistance on the part of the Jewish youth. Took a second. And so Bill himself, I guess, listen, God, you won't let me talk. I don't have to talk. Actions speak louder than words. And by you, by Mason, by my gate, by and Taka. You understand? So, in other words, Bilaam comes across as somebody who studied the Jews and knew their weaknesses, and that's very dangerous. Um, when someone knows, you know, your weak points. Uh, he can push on him, you know, at, at the right moments, and he certainly did. 
He certainly did. And the result is, as you know, the um, shattering of the authority of Moshe because it says that Moshe was helpless. That's why Pinchas had to step forward. And so Chazal, the Medeshava says it. You know, Moshe was like a uh, week or something like that. So Bilaam was determined to take Moshe down and he did do it in the end. But not in the way that he figured. And Hashem is so angry at the success of Bilaam that in next week's project he's going to say, Nikom Make sure you kill Bilaam, which they did in the word Moab, because you know, the guy was onto something. The guy was onto something. And so it was like embarrassing the ability of Bilaam to see our weaknesses, which is something the other pagans didn't see. How he could do so while still believing in Hashem means that Bilaam, and here's the main point, would be someone who accepts perhaps monotheism, but not the election of Israel. The two do not have to go together. One could even say, Enel Milvado, which would be quite a a step. If he did that, he was an impressive guy. I want you to understand, he came from a pagan background, according to Pashup Shah. So how did he come up with the idea there's one God? You can either say, here, I'm giving you food for thought. You can either say that he spent time in Yeshiva Shem Bever or something like that. <laughs> He's one of their uh, non-outstanding students. And he learned it that way. If not, that he's another Abraham. And he reasoned his way to monotheism. He reasoned his way on on his own to eventually having shaykhus with Hashem. You know, so either way, that's impressive. But listen closely. The Jewish religion is not only about the belief of Eino Milvado, even though that's important. The Jewish religion is predicated, in addition to Eino Milvado, it's, uh, you know, the concept of Klal Yisrael. That doesn't make sense philosophically, get it? You know, why should God favor one over the other if you're not from that group? Why? That's something that, that's stuck in his mouth, in his throat, I mean. And so, that's the thing he's, you know, fighting against. It's, it's understandable from his point of view. The basic argument of the uh, Umas Olam is precisely that. You know, the Gemara and those Agatotos and Avodazor in the first parrot, the guy at the end of time will say, hey, we, we also want to do mitzvahs and all that. Meaning, even when Mashiach comes and the world is different, and maybe the Yitzhar is destroyed, the nations of the world will still be angry over the favoritism. And the truth of the matter is, from the logic point of view, the Midas Adin point of view, you know, they're not wrong. It's just that we understand that Hashem's connection with Kali Yisrael transcends all that. That's quite a leap of faith. And that's something to swallow. And Bilaam, best as I can tell, had trouble with that. And at the end of the parasha, he's still having trouble with that because he says, look, I'll just throw a couple of Moabite girls at them and you see, boom. So what do you what do you have this business with Claudius Yisrael? You can't say he's wrong. And perhaps that's why it is in the Chumash. As a sort of warning to us. Uh, you know, that we have weaknesses and we have to overcome them. 
And there are Bilams out there that will that will study and notice those weaknesses and call attention to them. And that's a permanent feature of the human race. Notice there are Bilams today in that regard. You understand? And uh, that's something to be uh, to, to watch out for. The right way to do it is to reform and repair our own chesronas. Well, as I look around at certain business practices, easier said than done. But that doesn't mean that it's not wrong. If, as a result of this podcast or anybody else giving some thought to the Parsha, they change any of the ways that they do business so that the billions of the world won't be able to call attention to X, Y, and Z, then um, the reading this year's Parsha of Parsha's Bullock and Billum will not have been in vain. Anyway, that's what I think. Once again, I want to thank Vincent and Bernstein and the farm and uh, wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.